Big Sloth. Troy, why did you teach your custom? Why bring that up now, Abed? We might die down here. All the more reason to get this ironed out. You called me a nerd up there. What defines a nerd? Committing to an awesome Halloween custom with your best friend? Is that what nerds do? I don't know, Abed, because I'm not a nerd. Which is why I'm not taking part in this nerdy conversation. Shh, nerds! I'm Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me, Big Vinegar himself, Lars Periwinkle. How is What's it up, going? What's up, money? What up? What up, my friend? Sorry, I was a little, a little too eager there. I'm so excited about today's show. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like, you just jumped in. This is, we haven't been talking at all. We just immediately <laughs> jumped in. Yeah, I just picked up the phone. <laughs> yeah, we, this is within five seconds of us connecting with each other. It's great. Technology's great. <laughs> oh, it's such it's such a weird thing. But look, but podcasting has become ubiquitous. Um, but it is such a weird, unnatural thing that we do recording our conversations. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it it is odd, and it's man. Let me just say that I I sincerely hope people are enjoying. The Mabel Memorial Hobo Madness uh, TV tournament, TV theme song tournament, because every year at about this point in it, I go, why, why, why do we do that? And that's not, I, I love the tournament. I love our friends. I love debating this stuff, but it is a logistical nightmare. <laughs> like just. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. I can't yeah. imagine the toll that it takes on you. <laughs> to get all that it's a nightmare when we're all together but the fact yeah. that we're all recording separately and then we just yeah. funnel all that bullshit audio to you <laughs> it really is like i just look i i'm doing my best with the audio i hope i hope it sounds okay <laughs> like it yeah is. and if we can if we can direct you um our our uh, our dear listeners who are already listening to this show go listen to that and like I encourage you to listen to the whole thing, but we're, we're at the point now where, um, we look, I, <laughs> all, we're all friends. Mm-hmm. And even though, even though I, you, I, I don't know the people that we do the tournament with all that well, it's come, it's come and go, but we're all friends. <sighs> I don't know what it is, but we're at the point now where things generally take a turn yeah and i <laughs> and things get very weird and sometimes not ugly but just very very heated well yeah and it's I, you know i don't know if you're having this and again i don't want to talk too much about the tournament because hopefully people are listening to it but like i it just does like a vague thing like i don't know if you have like i feel like i start to like we with this one in particular because we're doing songs like i have some songs but I feel like this happens with the people and, and everything too, where it's like, there's some that I start getting emotionally attached to 
And then others that I end up resenting because I'm like, how is this still here? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm totally with you. I don't, I have, I have a, I have a hard time sometimes, especially with this. Cause like you said, <laughs> yeah. it's music. Yeah. It's music attached to things that I'm very attached to. And, um, to hear people turn against it so quick. I'm like, why are you being so flippant? This yeah. is something that I love. How dare you? Yeah. No, it's it is for sure. But it's it is fun. And I the last thing I will say about it, because we've already recorded uh the next episode that you guys are about to hear, uh, it has a thing in it that made me like that has delighted me to no end, and that's all I will say about it. But uh it, there was a very fun surprise in that episode. So And it's a huge surprise. Yeah. Guys, if you like this show, if you listen to, <laughs> if you're able to wade through an hour of this bullshit, yeah, go, go listen to the tournament. It's great fun. Yeah, no, because I also had that too. We were dumping like a lot of because we're trying to get through. Because I didn't, you know, like <laughs> it's taking longer than the actual NCAA tournament <laughs> to mm-hmm. try to get through it. Uh, but I, I, you know, we, we've been trying to get it, and because that was your idea too, which I think you were right of like we needed to do bonus episodes just to get through it. But I feel like we've been dumping a lot of shows on people's timelines. Uh, all at once so hopefully uh, you know if, and if you have to pull pull a Chris from uh, the Curioso and, and play that thing at 1.5 speed <laughs> and get through it then it sounds like all the theme songs were sung by the chipmunks so that's fun yeah that is good fun also I, I wish people could just do that to me in real life because I feel like I'm always wasting people's time just like if you could fast forward me I just need to tell you this thing sorry to bother you <laughs> Yeah. Uh, well, hey, this is what we're going to talk about, though. How about this? Like, <laughs> okay, we had to get serious. Look, we're not just going to we're not here to rehash the tournament. Like there, right, there's some right. breaking news. And, and Lars, you were so excited about it that you texted me this news. So I, I definitely if, if people haven't heard it, I want to I want to be the one to share it with them. Uh, young Sheldon has been renewed through season seven. They renewed it for th- three more seasons. For three more seasons, taking it to season seven. Uh, I don't know where you want to start with this, but I have <laughs> some thoughts. I will also say, as a disclaimer, I have never seen a single episode of Young Sheldon. Just for the record, I've not. I've not seen one moment of it. Yeah. I I did <clears throat> at one point because I was curious because I understood. Like I thought this show was going to be not even a flash in a pan. I I thought it was going to be a pan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a and, dull, uh, a dull unlit pan. Like, a dull unlit pan. Yeah. That um. Oh, we're just capitalizing on this, and they were gonna try. Like I thought it was gonna be a little bit like um, uh, my big fat Greek life, where we're gonna capitalize on the success of this thing and do another thing with it, and it was gonna come out, and people were gonna say, "Come on, what do you? Stop it! What are you guys doing?" I thought it was going to go the way of the caveman TV show. <laughs> yes. Yeah, some exactly like that. Exactly like that. Yeah. And when it gained footing, it, you know, you're in season two or whatever. I looked at the cast list. There's a lot of talented people. People seem to enjoy it. I, I don't enjoy taking a shit on things, but I was really like, fucking why? <laughs> what is so goddamned compelling about this thing? 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a classic fish out of water story, right? I mean, that's my assumption is that, you know, like when you watch The Big Bang Theory, I mean, let, and let's be clear, Jim Parsons unequivocally the best part of The Big Bang Theory, him and Kelly okay. Cuoco, like the two of them, yeah, sure. you know, in some order. But young Penny, probably not as interesting as, as the potential for young Sheldon. But like, I guess they always alluded to that, right? This idea. I also didn't watch much of The Big Bang Theory. I, I got out of that ship kind of early. So I've seen enough of it, though. I feel like I've feel qualified to speak on it but mm-hmm. um you know it was always kind of alluded to that he was from the south and he was really smart and he didn't quite fit in with the people back right. home you know so this is i get Straight it up, yeah he was from he was from texas yeah and so that pretty quick so i understand the pitch smart kid in texas who doesn't quite fit in i i can see that that's that's something that's i don't know that's matilda or something you know like that's that's a kid who's too smart for their surroundings i get it you know, but I one so Parsons is the hook. So now you have to find a kid that can capture that, which is tough. Uh, and I, I can't speak on the kid. I've never seen him act, but he wears a bow tie in a poster. I saw once. So maybe he's capturing something. <laughs> but here's the thing that, yeah, I, you know, you like you see it. <clears throat> you see an adult act the way that Sheldon Cooper acted. And you think um, that is odd. That's odd yeah. and peculiar. And then yeah. you, we see a young kid do it. He's just like, like you're just, well, you, I don't know. You're just fucking un- obnoxious, right? Yeah. What's wrong with you? I, <laughs> that's just getting on my nerves. But, so, but here's what I was curious about because the show, what is the title of the show again? Can you say it one more time? Young Sheldon. Young Sheldon. So I looked this up because it was curious. The show, the first season is set in 1989 and Sheldon Cooper in the show is nine years old. Okay, born in 1980. So he's born in 1980. So it has been renewed for seven seasons, meaning that it'll run until Sheldon is 16. Okay. Now, okay, I I guess I guess sure. You could still be young at 16. <laughs> yep. Uh, but the Big Bang Theory <laughs> debuted in 2007. So now, so this show will go through 1996, meaning that there will, by the point that they're renewed for now, there will only be an 11 year gap between this kid's like, you know, when he's like, and that's if it stops then. So, you know, because let's be clear, I could totally see it. If it's going seven, why not go nine? Why not take young Sheldon until he's 18? Yeah, and you know, um, s- sitcoms in general, and especially ones on CBS, they will. Whew, I mean, they'll they milk the cow till it's dry, and then they'll carve it up to a brisket, whatever's yeah. left. They'll dry that out to jerky. <laughs> but isn't this this is a Ted Mosby situation, right? Like, isn't the problem yeah, going to be that at some point this kid doesn't turn into Jim Parsons? Like, right, right, big issue. Yeah. But, but no, it, it won't be. I just don't understand. Like, I guess here's the thing is scientific, like using the scientific method, <laughs> oh, please. I, have, I have to say that I cannot know what's appealing about this show because I've never seen it. Right. Still having not seen it, I can tell you, I don't like this show and I don't find it appealing and I don't understand why it is appealing. Right. 
I have, I, I have no problem saying that that's the truth. I can tell you why I didn't like the Big Bang Theory, if that's helpful. Oh, that would be helpful. Yeah, go ahead. So the Big Bang Theory, this is what I realized about that show. It's a show about nerds, but it's not a show for nerds. It doesn't understand nerds. It doesn't understand nerd culture. It's not meant to appeal to nerds. It is meant to mock them and to punch, you know, just like to take shots at how ridiculous nerds are, which for me personally, one, yeah, really breaking some ground, guys, you know, but two, uh, like your your idea of what a nerd is is increasingly out of touch with society every passing year that that show was on like because again i mean the the culture we live in is so nerdy now like every top movie is a comic book movie video game culture is so mainstream that like people watch other people play video games on twitch like being a nerd has never been more popular people love lord of the rings they love harry potter like these are mainstream things that are widely talked about the idea that these are nerds that don't fit in like they do like they everything they like is popular now oh we're nerds oh why well because we like star wars and star trek okay well paramount plus keeps churning out star trek things star wars is a whole cottage industry for disney plus like i mean you you guys did it you should be popular like you are not outcasts <laughs> that that's the thing is when it when it started that was the beginning of the oh how appropriate that my voice just cracked <laughs> but that was the beginning of the uh the nerd revolution right right yeah so that's when this um <clears throat> that's when really seemingly um uh science fictiony technology became available to everyone where we're touching screens and stuff, you know, and Lord of the Rings, the Lord of the Rings trilogy won all of the Oscars and broke all of the box office records. And then yeah. it was the beginning, the very beginning of the MCU. So yeah, like I totally like seasons, you know, one through three, I think you and I were roommates at the time. Yeah. I remember you and I watching that show and saying, this is a, this is a pretty good show or whatever. Right. And laughing. Yeah. yeah. You know, fucking, 12 seasons this show but that was the thing what the show what, I, what did they do after that i don't even know what they did well that was the thing is like yeah it held my attention early on because it talked about a lot of things that i liked and then right. it just felt like yeah like it felt like it got broader and lazier and less interesting and then yeah like all the things that i liked i could just watch those things <laughs> like i did but but it was also just clear it was like it always felt like there was people talking about those things, but it was like they didn't love it. Like, I don't I don't feel like the people who wrote that show liked nerds. Like, I, I always felt like it was kind of antagonistic. And and I'm just going to say whatever Johnny Galecki was doing feels feels offensive. Like, I, it doesn't feel OK. What, he chose to do that voice in the pilot. And then 12 years later, I know he regretted that. I, I hope so. It's the only solace I take is that he had to do it for 12 years. That, like, he basically locked himself into doing the voice from that whitest kids you know sketch. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I should have been a person. I didn't know I was going to be playing this that long. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, Johnny, you're a good-looking guy. We're, you're actually going to be a sexy nerd. But 
Still got to do that voice, don't you, man? Yeah. It would be like if Christian Bale had to play Batman for 12 years straight, like in just like 20 episodes a season. (laughs) (laughs) I can no longer speak in public. Yeah. I will say, man, like Kaylee Cuoco, like what a like she has had the best post Big Bang Theory career because I assume they could have all just retired to a you know pile of money to lay on you know like like Lavelle Crawford in Breaking Bad they could have just like had a shed somewhere full of cash that they just laid down on but like she came out strong and it ended up being in two of my favorite TV shows last year. Oh, that I watched uh, Harley Quinn, the animated show, and then uh, the flight attendant, which turned out to be really great, like on HBO Max, like just crushing it. Just want to put that out there. Absolutely. And, you know, if you look at um, <laughs> if you look at the salaries of that cast, there's a huge drop off <laughs> from Cuoco and Parsons, even down to Galecki. There's a, there's a, a bit of a, a pitch there down gradient, but then everyone Did, else is like, Jesus Christ. Are you saying Galecki made less than the two of them? Yes. That's amazing. That's so great because in my head, I'm just imagining him like trying to to have like a stare down with the the producers of just like you know i i think i really i think you know i i'm kind of the the protagonist of the show you know so i think i i need to be paid the most and they just stared at him and were like so what you're saying is you you don't think we can make this without you is that really are you sure you really <laughs> want to commit to that are idea you- what are you pushing for here, buddy? <laughs> well, you remember in the pilot, I was the the leading man, but like, um, you know, Sheldon, he he was like my foil, and kind of, but it was me and Penny were the were the thing. So I'm just thinking, you know, if that's still the show, then, um, you know, maybe there should be more of a more of, more of level ground b- between the three of us. Among the three of us, you know, probably what it should be. <laughs> it's like remember when Ti goes either the either the Rock leaves this Fast and Furious <laughs> franchise or I do, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's pretty much that, you know. Like, yeah, it's just like, look, do you want to cash a paycheck or like, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I I'm just picturing Galecki after negotiations being like, guys, you know what? I was I was reading uh, some some information about the the Friends cast, and did you know they all negotiated together? So they yeah, all I was just thinking that. <laughs> so they all got paid the same. And everyone who isn't Parsons or Kuoko <laughs> is like, no, we're good, bro. No, <laughs> like, we don't need a united front. What's his name? Howard is just like, no, nah, I'm good, buddy. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're good. <laughs> All I have to do on this show is be Jewish and goofy. So, <laughs> yeah. I don't even read the lines anymore. I just, you know, it's just, he just increasingly, I imagine by season 12 was just a, a series of emotes. 
Like he didn't have like yeah exactly. Like, I've like I ha- I've made up my own Yiddish alphabet at this point. No one notices because they're not familiar with my culture. I'm just I'm just saying shit. If ever there was a show I could imagine became when the whistle blows by the end. Straight up. <laughs> it's just straight up. Everyone's sitting around Sheldon just says bazinga. Um, and then, uh, you know, they just, what is it? What was it? Soft kitty? Was that, they just mentioned that or whatever the. Yeah. Yeah. Little ball of fur. Yeah. And then, um, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> Howard just exposes himself to beautiful women at that point. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Raj, yeah. I mean, gets drunk to talk to a woman. That was his thing, right? Yeah, yeah, he couldn't talk to to ladies unless he was drunk or on um, um, cold medicine. Um, I th- I imagine that um, the girls, the girls in the show, the ladies in the show are just walking around with their tits out. Yeah, they're just fully exposed breasts at that point. Yeah, well, just a, just a grotesque character characterization. Well, and I imagine from what I know in real life that uh, what's her name that played Blossom was just uh, telling everyone not to get vaccinated. Yeah, Maya Bialik. Yeah, don't yeah. Get, don't get vaccinated. You should. I don't know. Doesn't she like like regurgitate food into babies' mouths or something like that? Maybe that's Alicia Silverstone, but it's something weird. She's a microbiologist. Yeah, but who's anti-vax? So what the fuck? Yeah, and on a nerdy show. I will say this though, because we talk so much about the theme song is great. For Big Bang Theory. The theme song. Oh, by BNL? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. Uh, I will say, what is like, so I did try to, I will admit, I tried to watch Young Rock because that that hit some, <laughs> that hit a Venn diagram that I'm interested in. You know, I, I, I like the rock. I like 80s wrestling. But man, I bailed on that show after like two to three oh, episodes. Oh, that's not so good. No, I just like I couldn't figure it out. I really couldn't figure out what they were going for. They jumped around in time too much, which was a really weird decision. And like, okay, all the stuff that I thought was fun about it wasn't what seemed to interest them, which was the wrestling. <laughs> right. But yeah, you know, I, you know, I don't. <clears throat> now, Mister Murphy, I'm mm-hmm. gonna go down a rabbit hole here real quick. But just to, just so you know, for a little. We're a little uh, new into this episode, and so I'm 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 going to be clocking you on this because okay. I don't want to become our show, right? Okay. okay. All right. So, um, um, my wife Julia and I, we were watching, uh, we were watching some pay per view that someone gave to us. I think it was AEW. We were watching it. We always watch the the pay per views, mm-hmm. and um, enjoying it very much. She asked me, um. Um, about, she said, what's the best wrestling match you've ever seen? Oh, I said, it's a, it's a tie between quite a few. I said, oh. like when you talk about specific matches, probably it's a tie between two. If you're, you know, if you want to talk about like, like the best wrestling I've ever seen, like, you know, ECW pay-per-views are oh, the yeah. best wrestling I've ever seen. Yep. It's, like, it's not even close. Yep. It's still to this day, the best wrestling I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, like uh, just talent wise, yes, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, pure. yeah, talent wise, and also yeah. like um, personality wise and character wise, it's just like I don't know. That's that's my flavor through and through. Yeah. So I said, here's what, 
here's I'm going to show you what I think is probably objectively the best wrestling match that's maybe ever happened. And I showed her Hell in the Cell too. The Mick Foley uh, Undertaker Hell in a Cell. Yes, and yeah. it was like it's so great. It's almost like <laughs> you know the way people say I I love. I love watching my child grow up because I get to see all the stuff that I'm used to through new eyes. Yeah. Like watching, watching my wife watch Hell in the Cell 2 yeah. and being able to, she's like, oh my God. And I say, yeah, that, that wasn't supposed to happen. She goes, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny because I think this comes down to like, uh, what, what you classify as a wrestling match because as a wrestling match, on a technical level, it is not good. As a pure, <laughs> as just pure spectacle and of yeah. un like will never be recaptured. Like once in a lifetime unhinged carnage. It is the best like ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she kept saying like, "Why are they still going?" Yeah, because they're yeah. putting on a show. Yeah, no, for so many reasons, that match would never happen now, like at any, like, even if it did, it would have been stopped way earlier. But, uh, but no, the funny thing is, I actually did the same thing, uh, with Molly, like I, like early on when we were dating, I showed her the Hell in a Cell because we actually went to a, a house show together and she had fun and Molly's gotten more into wrestling, uh, over the years. So I, I had that point too, where I was like, I'm going to show you this match. Um, and the funny thing is at the time she was a massage therapist <laughs> and like, so she has a, a very, she obviously still has a very like keen awareness of, uh, how bodies work and uh -huh. what, how they're supposed to function. And just sure. like her, like, <laughs> like watching it with her, just the horror combined with like way too specific awareness of all of the parts that were being injured <laughs> throughout the match of just like, no, like, don't, don't do that. <laughs> He's walking like that because, um, that limb is not, a, it's being held on by skin at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a strange thing and I don't know if this is how you felt about it, but like, I know for me, I remember the feeling at the time because it is such a unique feeling because and again and this is something side note because young rock did this um i just uh what else was i oh <laughs> uh we were watching um the wrestling stuff for silver linings playback so this came up in a in something i won't say what we watched yet but like it came up for a, a future episode of that but there's a, that thing where it's always like someone would be like wrestling is fake and then everyone is like oh you said the F word. Like there's like the big reaction, which is always like, I always felt like missed the point because we in high school never weren't aware that wrestling was scripted, but it's just like, there's a big difference between knowing the outcome of a match and then physically falling off the top of a steel cage twice. Right. Like, like that is not like they, they knew that was going to happen once the other time it wasn't planned, but mm -hmm. like there was an awareness of what was supposed to happen, but that's really secondary to the actual physical harm that, that they're being put in. But very specifically with Mick Foley's matches at that point in his career, that match, the match where he was handcuffed in an I quit match and the rock hit him something like 13 times in the head with a steel chair. Like there was this very specific feeling I got in the pit of my stomach that I never got during any other wrestling matches where I really did have this, like that this could go bad. Like, like I could be watching 
Mick Foley's last match. Yeah, straight up. Straight up. And come to find out from the documentary uh, Beyond the Mat, um, Mick Foley did not want to be hit in the face with the steel chair that many times. No. He was handcuffed behind his back. No, he got like probably very early on got a concussion, was not really aware of what was happening and couldn't like the whole thing was he was supposed to stay down, couldn't stay down. And The Rock's solution to that was to keep hitting him with the chair. Yep. This is not a good solution to that. Great movie star, subpar wrestler. Yeah. And really, and I always like. I mean, it's so fascinating now because now being older, I, in some ways, and Mick, if you're listening, I regret being such a big fan of Mick Foley in that, like, I don't think it was good for him how much we all enjoyed his matches. I think all all things, I think all things considered, we should have been happier for him to like, you know, be gentler in the ring. But, uh, but no, I did appreciate his, you know, clearly, uh, you know, cavalier added toward towards his own safety at the time. But what frustrated me with, with the rock and there were other wrestlers like this was like, it's okay. If you don't have the same attitude that Mick Foley has, like, cause I would say the undertaker in hell in a cell didn't have that same approach. Mm -hmm. The difference is the undertaker knew that it was his responsibility to try to protect Mick Foley's well-being as much as possible and did. And other guys were perfectly like the rock. And again, he's not the only one, but there were guys that were willing to sort of like take advantage of how uh, reckless Mick Foley was. And like, that's not like, yeah, your, your job, the whole thing where like the, the fake part comes in is a responsibility to try to make sure your opponent is okay at the end of the match. Like you're actually looking out for him. I mean, it's like, um, it's like butters, right? It's just, this person is super nice. So I can take a shit on them as much as I want to. And they'll keep being nice. And it's just, yeah, Foley will take the abuse and he'll, he will really, in order to put on a show and also in order to, um, push his personal boundaries as an athlete, he will do that shit. That doesn't mean that you can, you know, use him. Right. To push your own career. Yeah, I hit him 13 times in the head with a steel chair because I'm a badass. No, actually, he's the badass. <laughs> yeah. <a> fucking moron. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's just, that never sat well with me. As much as I do love The Rock now, like, he, he definitely had this attitude of just, yeah, that, like, a very selfish approach to how wrestling was supposed to work, I feel like. And that, le- and that leads me to, we watched that, and then I said, okay, <clears throat> this is... This is the craziest shit that I have and most likely will ever see. Um, and then I, I went up to my little my little YouTube search bar and I put in Cactus Jack versus Terry Funk Japan. <laughs> I said, like, this is so crazy. You're not going to believe how crazy it is. Entire ring wrapped in barbed wire. Barbed wire platforms on the stage that that shoot out like salt and sulfur if you land on them yeah that wrapped in real barbed wire like this isn't dulled barbed wire this isn't props this isn't hard plastic you can see their like their shirts get caught on the wire as they're bouncing off of them and then just 
the end of the match, they're both being dragged off, literally, literally covered in blood. Yes. And yeah. then one of them gets up and runs over to the other and starts beating them more. <laughs> like, it's just <laughs> insane. It's insane. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. That's still my favorite. Uh, this is in one of Mick Foley's books, but I, I always remember this anytime I think of him and Terry Funk because he, he uh -huh. talks about the fact that uh, Funk was like a hero of his. He really looked up to him when he got into wrestling and he was like, I always wondered how do his punches look so realistic? And then I wrestled him and I found out he just punches you. <laughs> <laughs> punch people. <laughs> like. Uh, but no, I mean, yeah, like their matches are, are truly wild. Um, yeah, I, that's a good, like, that's such a fascinating question to me of like, yeah. Um, like what, um, yeah, what you would call like the best match. I feel like, yeah, I think it comes down to like spectacle versus, you know, um, like actual wrestling. Like you said, I mean, like ECW, I think always did have the best blend of like, and that's what, that's the thing I feel like gets forgotten a lot. And I think a lot of the imitators for ECW lost track of, of like half of ECW, if not more than half was just good, like wrestling, you know, like good yeah, Lucha yeah. Libre wrestling, good, like cruiserweight wrestling, just like guys who were really fast who, you know, were at the top of their game, who, you know, could just chain wrestle and put on good matches with a lot of false finishes where they didn't use any weapons. It was just really high tempo, like, you know, two people who knew each other really well, putting on a really great back and forth match. And then a hundred, a hundred percent. Like you, this is like, you could see these guys, um, like your, um, I don't know, like your, your Dudley brothers, your, uh, your RVDs who would really like, like study the craft and say like, what, what can I, what would look really good and what would look really impressive, but also what can I do safely so that we can, we can keep wrestling afterwards. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it would be. Yeah. That would be a, if my finisher was, I fucking decapitate my opponent, that yeah. is awesome. Yeah. But ultimately, um, th that's not going to lead to a lot of matches. So like, what, what can I make look good and awesome and still, um, keep with, you know, color within the lines of this is a soap opera that people are watching. Right. Yeah. And there, ECW always had a blend. There were some guys who <laughs> were terrible wrestlers who just beat the hell out of each other. Like, yeah. like it was always a fun mix, you know, looking at you, Sandman. <laughs> yeah. Sandman legit. Yeah. was just a guy who looked like your dad who like <laughs> just his whole gimmick was he drank five beers and then fought people. Yeah. 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 That Sandman match was awesome. Did you see it? Yeah. He, he drank a, two beers in the balcony and then jumped off of it and then landed in the ring. That was great. <laughs> you forgot the part where he was already bleeding by the time he got to the ring because he hit himself in the head with a beer can and cut his own forehead open. Like every... cut his own forehead open. The bell didn't ring, man. <laughs> didn't even ring. But no, that's why I really do think like Terry Funk really had that probably the perfect blend of was a really good wrestler and also very little regard for his own safety or and again like would dish it out and like take it in equal measures that's why him and mcfoley really probably were the best together in that they both respected and loved each other but then also like beat the hell out of each other in the ring like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what, Terry? I understand that you want me to try to kill you. So that's what I'm going to do, buddy. Which I did. I went to the the Hardcore Homecoming show that they did, which was like the, the unsanctioned ECW um, reunion show that they did. That when After the WWE bought ECW and was doing their own like ECW pay-per-views, it was like everybody else put it together, which Mick Foley actually showed up in a surprise event. But the main event had Terry... I think it was, if I remember, it was Terry Funk, Sandman, and Sabu... In a, Sabu! Tri- in a triple threat barbed wire <laughs> match where they actually did replace the ropes with barbed wire, which I learned from that takes way longer than you would think to set up. Like it was like a <laughs> 20 minutes of like, OK, we're going to take a break. But yeah, I, I it is um, upsetting to watch a barbed wire match in person. I would have. I don't know that I could. It's no, it it was. Yeah. Like just I think that was the end to me. That was kind of my last like great memory of that kind of wrestling that I greatly enjoyed in my youth and think is best left there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, um, I also uh, have I have ever told like who was God? Who was with me for that? Now I'm, if it was you, I f- I'm going to feel bad. But, um, I went to an MCW show that Sabu was at. And I, I, for the life of me, I'm trying to, I know I was with someone and I'm, tr- I'm blanking on who was with me, but it wasn't you, right? Like, uh, a what CW show? Maryland Championship Wrestling. Oh, that would, no, that was not me. I think it might have been, you know what? It was Justin. I'm now, it was my friend okay. Justin. Uh, but we, <laughs> We went to this show. So there was Maryland Championship Wrestling. It was at a high school gymnasium. But Sabu was advertised to be at the show, but he was not allowed to wrestle uh, because he um, like had gotten in trouble in Maryland because Maryland at the time had some weird rules. And I think like they had told him like not to break tables and stuff the last time he had wrestled there and he didn't listen to them. So he legit was like, like the state of Maryland was not allowing him to compete, but he was there. So he was hanging out in an RV and he was just telling us and other people in the line, like, hey, just it, you can you guys let it because we got there early and we were like waiting to get in. He was like, just let everybody know, like, I'm here. Like, I'm <laughs> like, oh, I just oh. I just want people to know, like, I didn't know show the event. Like, I'm here. They won't let me wrestle. And so, like, so that's how I got to meet Sabu was in those circumstances. And then during the intermission, Justin and I went out to see if he was still there and went looking for him. And found him around the corner of the building smoking pot. (laughs) So what I'm saying is it's exactly everything you would want from meeting Sabu. It it, it exceeded my expectations. So Aronofsky's the wrestler. (laughs) Stunningly accurate. No, it really was great. Um, Was that the same show where you met um, where King Kong Bundy kept telling that same tired old story. Uh, the funny, I sincerely can't remember because I went to multiple MCW shows, but that was at an MCW show. May he rest in peace. But yeah, King Kong Bundy was there and was just talking about when he fought Hawk Hogan and how he could really beat up Hogan. Like, <laughs> oh no, it I was sad. Laugh, but come on, man. It was sad. It was also, I'll never forget because, you know, the staple of wrestling is your good guy. You, you 
you say nice things about wherever you're at. And if you're a bad guy, you badmouth the place. But we were in Glen Burnie, Maryland. Right. <laughs> and it was King Kong Bundy <laughs> badmouthing Glen Burnie. And then whoever he was wrestling, I just remember called Glen Burnie God's country. And I was oh. like, what? <laughs> yeah. Glen Burnie, Maryland. That's God's country. You also have greatly overestimated how much I care about being in Glen Burnie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I can't. Yeah. Even if it's someone's like straight up home, if you were like, well, hey, I was uh, hanging out with these hicks here in Glen Burnie, Maryland. And people be like, yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. sounds did, right. Would you run, did you run into my dad? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But no, the, yeah. MCW shows were they were certainly high school gymnasium wrestling shows that we went to. But that was always they what they were, would do. They were certainly what you think they would. Be. Yeah, because they really were. And I guess they do show a bit of that on The Wrestler. But it was just like they'd always get like one or two recognizable name people to right, sell right. the ticket. But they were always like recognizable, but from 10 years ago. <laughs> like people who were not doing a lot else at the time. Would like show up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's such a, it's weird, right? Like it's such a, um, professional wrestling is such a nebulous area of our culture because one, it's, it's like, it's so specifically us, right? Like yeah. professional wrestling is American. Yeah. And you know, the, you know, the, there's the luchadors and also like they, they do it in Japan. There's some, you know, they do some European stuff, but this is something that like, like jazz and the blues and bourbon whiskey. Well, and also, yeah, yeah, from, I do, from here. I do want to say, yeah, Japan for sure. And Mexico for sure have their own unique and uh, well-developed wrestling cultures. But I would say American wrestling is very uniquely American wrestling. <laughs> like, yeah, very much so. Yeah, and it is. A, you know, yeah. there's basically there's basically one show in town. Yes, there was there were some other shows in town. They got absorbed. So yeah. there's one one show in town. AEW has, is doing some good stuff. So if you guys I, are watching I, AEW, I'm really, give it a shot. I'm really rooting for AEW. And I and I think you can see the the scales tipping a bit. And I again, not to get too in the weeds on the wrestling. I think that ship has probably sailed. But like the fact that they're now signing people like Paul White and, you know, right. like like just I mean, Sting is there. Like, you know, now you have the big show. Now you have um who else? Like, I mean, you. I think you watch more AEW than I do at this time, at this point. But like, there's they're making a lot of high profile signings that, um, you know, like people that you would recognize from the WWE or like guys that are considered main eventers are, are starting to go there. And I think that is because the WWE just got so lazy. Like, they really. Yeah. They so you're the only you, show in town is you know you're gonna yeah. watch it here or you're gonna watch it nowhere. Yeah. And the problem is they're making more money than ever. Like that's they there is literally no incentive uh for them to give a better product and in fact they just signed a deal with Peacock where essentially they make millions of dollars for the next several years off of their network regardless of if people subscribe or not. Like they they worked out a deal with NBC that just gave them guaranteed money, meaning they could phone it in for the next three to four years until that contract runs out and they'll still make more money than they've ever made before. Which kind of brings me to my point was I, I was going to say <clears> – <throat> 
you know, they they put on um, they did drop on Peacock a lot of their old stuff. Um, uh, not not all of it. I, that would be too much, and no one wants that. Well, I also all their old stuff there. You know what I learned, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Which again, I love wrestling, but wrestling is problematic. They're actually NBC is going through and uh, removing the, 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 a lot of yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's like specifically. Uh, you know, people have worn blackface in the WWE. Right. Vince McMahon said the N word on an episode mm-hmm. of uh, Monday Night Raw. So, like, they're actually I was reading that they're they're planning on adding more stuff uh, to Peacock, but very understandably, they are watching everything first before they add it. Yeah, but look, they did a lot of um, uh, racial and and ethnic stereotypes and shit like that. Okay, you want to go through and you want to filter that shit out. That's that's your prerogative. It the, the, the whole fu- like the entirety of the the eighties and a good chunk of the nineties well, was it was like a fucking minstrel show, anyways. Man. Well, and also, I mean, all of Hulk Hogan's career. I mean, well, one, it turns out in real life, Hulk Hogan was racist. <laughs> like, uh-huh. is racist. You know, like that all came to light. But in addition to that, his entire eighties career is just based around this xenophobia of like. He's yeah. fighting a man from a foreign country to defend right. America. And like that man from a foreign country is not from a foreign country. <laughs> it <Yeah>. is. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's from Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super, it's super dumb. What I'm saying is I don't know why this, you know, the WWE is a private organization. Mm-hmm. It hires, um, athletes that put on a show, um, that do sacrifice a lot of their time, a lot of their energy and their, their physiology to this athletic organization. I don't know why they're not being held, held to the same flame that the NFL is as far as taking care of your athletes. Whoa. Yeah. Even when they're not employed by you anymore. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, and John Oliver did what I think is really such a perfect piece because, one, it was clear that John Oliver really loves wrestling, which was delightful to see and understood, like, the appeal of it. But, yeah, this was, like, a couple years ago around this time because it was leading up to WrestleMania. I think it was, like, two or three years ago. But, like, he really talked about that of just, like, the fact that the WWE – classifies wrestlers as independent contractors, which is illegal by the actual definitions of what an independent contractor is, because part of what disqualifies you from that is that like your essential, the, the business could not function without you, which the WWE could not function without wrestlers. Also, one of the other requirements to be an independent contractor is that like you can't, you have to be allowed to work other places and they don't allow that. So like Mm -hmm. they, but they, they've always gotten away with that. They really are staunchly anti-union, which has been something that has been wrestlers have been trying to unionize since like Jesse Ventura in the eighties. Like, there's always been a talk of it. It never gets anywhere, but like, yeah. And it's the thing is like, Man, I don't like this is a I don't want to get too deep into this, but it's it's very frustrating because I love wrestling so much deep in my heart and there is so much about it that makes me so angry. <laughs> like, but um they don't take care of wrestlers. They don't like, you know, there's I mean, it, it, the thing is like it's a famous line cuz real sports covered this and uh, it's something Rowdy Piper said that has always stuck with me where he said wrestling has a really good entrance plan. They don't have an exit plan. 
Right, right, right. And and the thing is, like in that same documentary, he was talking about how he can't touch his pension until he's 65 and said, I'm not going to make it to 65 and then didn't like Rowdy Piper died at like 61, I think. But and like, it's just, yeah, they they really have a very bad track record of taking care of wrestlers, of providing for them, even as they're making record amounts of money, that money doesn't straight up. It go, seems like yeah. the, the exit plan right now is um, go call DDP. Yeah, because honestly, he's yeah. the only guy who's taking care of wrestlers. <laughs> straight up, Diamond Dallas Page has done more <laughs> for like older, and that's the thing. I'm sure you've seen it, but that footage of like when they did the GoFundMe for Jake the Snake Roberts, and like oh, he yeah. broke down emotionally, seeing because that's the thing is like, and it, this shouldn't be the fans who did this, but like once Jake the Snake came out and he needed money for medical expenses, it was funded within like hours because right. fans love him and they fans loved. Roddy Piper like they all these guys are beloved but it's like you know like he really broke down emotionally because the fans were willing to do that for him but also why why like if you're Jake the Snake Roberts or Roddy Piper you know the, the there are you know two of the most iconic wrestlers from the 80s and they both you know are broke like you know they both ended up with nothing bunch of horse shit yeah, this got sad. I'm sorry for that. Um, I mean, I will say I've been on this like Roddy Piper kick lately of just uh, just like I really miss that guy. Like he he really was the best. And um, I had fairly recently, like within the past year, I rewatched They Live. And uh, again, I'm not trying to give away all our secrets, but we ended up watching a Roddy Piper movie for our wrestling month because you got to. Uh, so I watched that. And then. Molly and I have been rewatching It's Always Sunny, so all like his episodes of It's the Always Maniac, Sunny. Baby. The Maniac, the that first Maniac episode is really great. Like, so that's just a bucket of chestnuts. <laughs> the the uh, and they live. Um, here's home, oh, man. The brilliant we I could I might start just a shoot off podcast where I just talk about the brilliance of John Carpenter, but the fact that John Carpenter. That that fight scene between Keith David and Roddy Piper, he just like go for it. I'm gonna keep the camera rolling. <laughs> like that's like a five minute fight. Yeah, no, that fight is so long, <laughs> but it's just yeah. I think you and I have talked about this before. Of like the fact that Roddy Piper like just feels like it feels so natural for him to just be sharing the screen with Keith David, who is such oh, yeah. a, like, you know, like an actor with such a long career that like Piper, I think that's what breaks my heart is like 20 years later. And Roddy Piper would have had the rocks career. Like if, if Hollywood yeah. knew what to do with him, he would have had a leading man career. He is just nothing but charisma. Like he is, yeah. The most charismatic, like, seriously, I would say probably maybe even more than The Rock. Like, just really him on screen in, like, that dude makes things work that should not work. <laughs> like, Well, I think, I think <clears throat> the thing, the advantage that, the big advantage that he has over The Rock is that he can, like, um, Roddy Piper could put on, like, a, a sweatshirt and kind of look like a normal dude. He wasn't always a huge monster man. Yes. All the time. Like, he yeah. could, he, like, you could relate to him. He was a scamp. He was goofy. He was also, like, brilliant in a weird way. And also, yeah. like, not, not afraid. The man, the man was not afraid to sacrifice his dignity in the name of entertainment. Unlike, 
unlike Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who would never take a bump when he was fucking wrestling. <laughs> also, just, yeah, also, I mean, Piper in ring. Like, if you've never watched Roddy Piper's matches, from, like, just go back and watch some of those, like, 80s, like, WrestleMania matches with Piper. Like, that dude was a great wrestler. Uh, but also, to tie it all together, when we talk about people uh, not being from the country that, like, they, like obviously he had the, the heritage, but always kind of funny to me that, like, he, you know, they he came out in a kilt. He came out to, you know, a, a classic Scottish bagpipe song that I can't, I'm blanking on the name of, but might be the most Canadian man I've ever seen in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> like, if you just asked me to close my eyes and imagine a guy from the woods of Canada, I'm pretty sure I picture Roddy Piper. <laughs> yep. All smiles and mullet. Yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, but man, like, th- yeah, that dude, that dude really had so much charisma. Um, I also, I mean, look, not to, you know, well, she's terrible, but like the fact that Ronda Rousey wanted to remind people of Roddy Piper when she came out to the ring did not do her favors. She's a perfect example of <laughs> we, we liked you until we got to know you. Oh, 100%. That is exactly what happened. We were, as Tyra Banks once said, we were all rooting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, And it's fucked. I mean, that's one of the, that's one of the reasons that, that, as he put it, the exit plan sucks from professional wrestling is that like you leave there and it doesn't matter if you walked in with your entire persona um, if you wanted to make that that professional wrestling money um, from um, um, from Vince, you had to sell all of that to him. Like he owns the thing you created. And well, then in- when you leave, he still fucking owns it. Your name. He's making a ton ton of money off your name, your image, and you're making fuck all because you don't work for him anymore which he's gotten increasingly worse about of just like there used to be some guys that would still like wrestle under their own name or i mean hulk hogan owns the copyright to the name hulk hogan like rick flair his name is rick flair but it's not spelled that way but he owns the copyright to the last name f-l-a-i-r like mm-hmm. there used to be people that like would own their own gimmick and then other people that just like wrestled under their name like john cena is a good example of like his name is john cena but like mm-hmm increasingly pedantically Vince McMahon will change people's names. And I think one of the most egregious is, you know, there's a guy that's still wrestling for them now under the name, uh, Daniel Bryan, whose legal name that he used to wrestle under before going to the WWE, Brian Danielson. Like you just flopped his name arbitrarily. So you could copyright it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go. I mean, check out if you guys are fans of the rock check out um check out like his first five six movies he's billed as the rock and then he's he's billed as Dwayne the rock johnson and the executive producer on all those movies is vince mcmahon he did fuck all fuck all on those movies (laughs) except owns the name the the words the rock beyond the credits right which also I mean, while The Rock is unique to him, it was a com- like it came as a nickname to his name, Rocky Maivia, which was a combination of his dad's Rocky Johnson and his grandfather, Peter Maivia, who also Vince had nothing to do with. So, like, no, straight up. And look, look I know, like, 
I'm not a I'm not against capitalism. Like I understand that you know. The, Dwayne Johnson also benefited from having that persona. Oh, sure. But what I'm yeah. saying, but I think what we're trying to say is like they developed it, they did the wrestling, they did the mic, they developed the personality. It was all there. But Vince, um, he like, gives them a platform. Look, that does benefit everyone. What I'm saying is, now you got a piece of his goddamn movie career? You didn't do shit for that. Oh, right. You know no, what I mean? Well, right. And that's the thing. Yeah. Like, they are not independent contractors. They're uh, they're basically, you know, like, yeah, you sign a deal with Vince and he believes that he is entitled to your money for the rest of your life. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I was, let's say, you know, I was... um. <clears throat> I was a, a field geologist for a number of years who did a lot of environmental remediation. Cool. Yes. And my, my employers paid for a lot of training I did and all that. Um, I gained a lot of experience. Then, um, you know, those contracts dried up and I moved on to being um, an environmental chemist, which I was for about a year. I was an environmental chemist. Imagine if that, em- that employer who employed me to be a chemist had to shell out a bunch of extra money to my previous employer. Right. But why? Well, because they gave you the experience and the training and they said that you weren't allowed to be hired here unless we gave them money. But uh, what? Also, they're also saying that they weren't your employer and that you never worked for them. And like, <laughs> you could have left at any time. That's a bunch of that's a bunch of horse shit. Yeah. No, it's it's incredibly frustrating. And like, yeah, that was the thing. It was interesting because like it felt like there was yeah, like John Oliver talked about it. I remember Andrew Yang like brought up the WWE's like independent contractor thing. Like it seemed like it had a little bit of momentum for a while a few years ago, and then as already nobody's talking about it anymore. So it's, just, it's such a it's such a niche thing. And yeah. When you when you care about it. You care about it a lot. Yeah. If it's not on your radar. It just isn't there. Like it's just not yeah. a part of your, your, your personal, you know, philosophy or lexicon or whatever. Yeah. And again, and I think we should move on. Cause there's one last thing I want to do before we get out of here. But, uh, yeah, I mean like Mick Foley again, to tie it all together, that match is like the most iconic. It's the one you showed your wife. It's the one I showed Molly, like, uh, that just like, that that's the one that you're always going to remember. It's the one they use in every opening montage when they play their like show their logo and the music. They're always going to show Mick Foley going off of that cell. You got to take care of that dude. He has bad knees and chronic pain now. <laughs> like like he did that yeah. for you. Like yeah. he go take care of him. Yeah. You you know why? Because you can. Yeah. Because you can and because he's literally in that state because of things he did for your company. Like regardless of you of if you can or not. Yeah. You, you it's the right thing to do. But look, you can. Yeah. Especially now. Like anyway. Okay. Enough of that. I wanted to do one last thing. Uh hopefully this would be a palate cleanser. Um you know, as uh, I can't like, believe can you remember a half an hour ago when I was like, "Hey, Joel, this isn't this isn't a wrestling podcast. I'm yeah. holding your feet to the flames here. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. That's on you because I knew me well enough to know I was going to talk about wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were trying to keep us shorter that you it's had to your st- responsibility to hold me to a higher standard. <laughs> exactly. All right. But uh no, just here at the end and we'll make this quick cuz I don't want to go too long. But uh uh, we, we lost the great Jessica Walter. Uh, we used to do a really fun thing on this show 
where we did Mad Libs. We have not done that in a long time. Uh, I thought it would be nice. We have these, um, they're adult Mad Libs. I do love that they call them adult Mad Libs. But we have an Arrested Development themed set of Mad Libs. They have one called A Review of Klimpies by Lucille Bluth. And I thought it might be nice. Klimpies. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Adjective. Shitty. Shitty. Verb ending in ing for me, so fucking uh, adjective. But ugly. But ugly. Type of liquid. Uh, I want to keep this classy, so I'll say urine. You okay. wanted to say jizz so bad. I know. I put it. Look, this is you know, this is an honor of Lucille Bluth. So I'm trying to okay. keep it classy. Maybe there'll be more urine. I don't know. Okay. Or more more types of liquid. Adjective. I keep thinking fucking adjectives. Um, sexy. 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 All right. I have adjectives, so I'm going to say gassy. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, type of clothing. Or article of clothing. I'm sorry. Article of clothing. Yeah. Jock strap. Um, you know what? For you, the next one's verb. I'm going to say jizz. <laughs> <laughs> That's a... uh, verb for you. Oh, um, verb. Fist. <laughs> Good lord. Um, so it says person in the room. I'm gonna branch that out and say my my dog Jolene is here. So Jolene. Oh, yeah. She thinks she's people. <laughs> uh, person in room to you. I'm in this room alone. So I guess Lars. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. Jesus is always with me. <laughs> Okay. He changed it to Jesus. I did. Uh, you know, when there was only one set of footprints, Lars, he's carrying you. Uh, noun to me. Um, I'm going to say dildo. That is, that is a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you. Ad- adjective to you. <clears throat> Um, stinky, stinky. All right, number to me that's sixty nine, and oh. uh, last one to you, verb. Verb. Um, peg. Okay. This is just like it's pretty. At this point, so many years in, so many Mad Libs. It really just is routine, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's why I think that's why we rested it for a while. But it, I feel like it's yeah, nice, you know. This is like, uh, yeah, I just watched this movie. This is sort of like our uh, coming to the number two America, where it's like, I mean, yeah, they're just rehashing all we the jokes. It, it's there not a sequel. It's a tribute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're kind of doing that. We're doing our, yeah. our like, you know, by popular demand, just like, you know, 
Yeah, no, that works. If anyone reacts to this this Mad Lib like I did to Randy Watson on Coming to America, then I'm happy because I elated to see Randy Watson in that oh, movie. Also, yeah, to be clear, I enjoyed it, but I just like I did have that of like <laughs> Also, Wesley Snipes is worth it alone. Like just the, the <laughs> I can't say enough good things about this movie. Yeah. No, I that's the thing is like a lot of it is just sort of you know, sort of referencing things from the first movie, but adding Wesley Snipes, Leslie Jones, and Tracy Morgan was the exact three things that you needed to add and to like mix yes. it up just enough. Yes. And the and the costumers of that movie are not getting enough recognition. I don't even know how much recognition they're getting. The costumes were fucking incredible. No, the costumes, the choreography uh, oh like God. in the first one, the choreography was cr- every time Wesley Snipes entered a room, it really cracked me up. Also, the um, his daughter, like the choreography of everything she oh did. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, it's it's worth watching. It's for sure worth watching. I didn't. Sorry. Yeah, for no, the, it's yeah. worth watching. Like, it, yeah. your mind's not going to be blown. It's not the greatest movie you've ever seen, but so worth watching. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's it is way more fun than it has any right to be. Like, it's still also I, again, I don't want to give too much away, but the bit with James Earl Jones early in the movie really got me. Like, I think that's actually the hardest I laughed was the um, the uh, I'll just say this. Are you backing up? <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> the, the, the smoke alarm. <laughs> no, no, Julie's cooking downstairs, and our smoke alarm is very sensitive. Are, did you just call me overweight? <laughs> That's not what I said at all. I asked a question. <laughs> also, you have to understand, I'm channeling Lucille Bluth, so I can... So I can... <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> We're, we're at Klimpy's together, so I assume I have to uh, berate your self-esteem, you know? If, if only if only my butt were big enough to warrant some kind of joke like that. Oh, man. All right. A review of Klimpy's by Lucille Bluth. Mm-hmm. I'll only go to this shitty establishment if my blood sugar is fucking to a butt ugly low. But a woman can't live on urine alone. So I found myself there last night with my sexy daughter, Lindsay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we were greeted at the door by a gassy hostess who wore a yellow jockstrap and told us to jizz anywhere we'd like. (laughs) I had one thought. (laughs) This does not fist well. (laughs) I ordered the Jolene and Jesus tuna. When asked if I preferred the plate or the platter, I didn't understand the dildo and I didn't respond to it. It's a good thing this place had a stinky bar. My rating, 69 stars. But if I had money, I'd buy Klimpy's just to peg it to the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're all hoping for. Yep. There it is. Still fun. (laughs) If we kid, can we make a pact if we ever start um if we ever start a band it can be called Jolene and Jesus Tuna because I'm <laughs> into that Jolene is yeah one hundred percent like that's <laughs> oh man all right boy, well boy rest in peace Jessica Walter we miss you we miss you lady yeah I also I love that it did get the reference in there because that's my favorite part of that scene <laughs> yeah when plater a platter. 
I don't understand the question and I won't answer it. <laughs> oh man. She was the best. All right. That is going to do it for us. Uh, so remember question everything. Go see a star war <laughs> and unionize the WWE. of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. 
This is Joe. And this is Chris from the Curioso Podcast. You are currently listening to The Hobo Radio. Joe, do hobos listen to Hobo Radio? I think so. They have one in their stick and bindle, right? Uh, that's called a bindle stiff, sir. Bindle stiff. And you know what? If you listen to The Curioso, you will get to know things like that. Because we talk about the weird, the strange, the bizarre, and sometimes the mundane that you just don't know. So enjoy your two hobos, but you can catch us at thecurioso.com on the Peaksloth Podcast Network. Nicholas Cage wants you to. 